you go. The red light means we're going. Th that's a wrap on the 2019 season at Petco Park. I'm Darnay Tripp, joined by... Derek Togerson, NBC7. And we're doing this thing from a different location. If you're watching on okay. Facebook, you'll notice the backdrop. Not bad. It's Petco, Petco Park. Park. Yeah. Looks pretty good as always. Can't quite see it. You don't get the full experience no. on the podcast. Uh, but that's where we're at uh, on the heels of the Padres' regular season home finale. I say regular season as though there's going to be a, a different yeah, type exactly, of home finale. Yeah. But that's, that's all we can hope for this season. And, and Derek... Uh, Started with the bang, beat Mad Bum opening day. We were standing right down there on the first base side. Yes. After they beat Madison uh -huh. Water, and Fernando Tatis Jr. had two hits off Mad it was Bum. was awesome. Will Myers homer. And we're thinking, hey, all this stuff worked. Yeah. People chanting Manny, Manny for Manny Machado. Uh -huh. And then fast forward to today. Six and, months later, it's not. And, and they well, they faced another really good left-hander yes. from the division rival in uh -huh. Clayton Kershaw. There was no Tatis. It looked like there was no Machado. Uh, there was <laughs> certainly no Will Myers. Yeah. It was a completely different vibe, a completely different thing than we saw in the, on opening day. And now we're sitting here like, how do we pick up these pieces, man? Now you talked, everybody wants to talk about Tatis. You talked to Tatis after the game. What do you have to say? I'd imagine the frustration's boiling over. Is he feeling okay? Is yeah. he on pace to come back for spring training? Because he's the guy, he's he's the proverbial straw that stirs the drink for this team. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, it was good to get a chance to, to catch up with him. Obviously, and I should say, he handles everything with such grace. Crazy maturity for a 20-year-old. Like, yes. you don't just notice kind of frustration. You... I shouldn't say that. You do notice some frustration, but um, it's it doesn't come across in a negative way, it's, I guess. It, it's understandable for him to be a little bit down in the dumps. Um, but again, just handles everything so graciously. And so, yeah, we got a chance to talk to him after the game, which was great. Um, asked him how he's doing physically. Seems to be doing well, given all that's gone on. And, and we figured that would be the case. It was something that just with time he would mm -hmm. be able to recover from. Um, so uh, nothing negative to report from that standpoint, which is a good thing. But you can tell he was just bummed out to not be able to be out there and to help out his, his team and to just be uh, a spectator as things go south the way they did the last month, month and a half of the season. Um, but certainly excited, feels good about what he was able to accomplish in his first big league season. And, and the amazing thing about it is there was never a slump. He never tailed off. The only thing that kept him from producing were the injuries, the things that kept him off the field. I think his biggest slump was like an 0 for 10 that he snapped with a home run in Milwaukee. Right, exactly. You know, and the, the kid, he, he's almost slump proof, which is crazy given the fact that when you're that young and you're learning major league pitchers, the major league pitchers are learning you a lot faster than you're learning them. Yeah. And for him to be able to handle how they pitched him and how they made adjustments, okay, you can, you can hit the fastball inside, we're giving you curveballs away. You can lay off that and take a walk, or you can hit the ball to the right side. Okay, now, now we're having trouble figuring out how to get you out in a consistent basis 20 years old sky's the limit for this kid and yeah we keep talking about it because that's the one thing we have to talk about right yeah, now yeah yeah it's frustrating um you, you wonder I, I how much of a difference does one guy make in any given team who knows i mean they're they're still looking at their season ending on sunday regardless if he's healthy or not I, that that doesn't necessarily change anything but he was so much kind of the the pulse of the team 
a yes. lightning rod. Um, especially, I mean, the fact that he was hitting leadoff just set the table and got so much started for this team offensively and, and created a spark with what he was able to do defensively as well. And so that was disappointing, not being able to see him. And, and the problem with that, with any sport, when you miss a piece like that, then you have to shuffle. And Luis right. Arias is, is playing a little bit out of position. Yes, he's capable at shortstop. He made and two really good really plays on Thursday. The one yes. ranging that, that got past Machado, and he's going mm -hmm. towards third base and makes a throw, maybe his best play of the season. He oh, did yeah. have the leaping tag underneath his legs. That was pretty awesome. This one, though, Earlier that, in the year. that was boom, boom, where yeah. you have to make them. This one, you have to make three, four different moves, yeah. and then the strong throw. This was more impressive to me because of the way he got it to Seth Mejia's Breen at first base. Almost, it looked, like, it looked like Machado. Remember in Arizona early in the year when he goes down the line and snags that ground ball and like under, flips it yeah, underhand? Yeah, yeah. Just out of nowhere. It, it hits Hosmer uh -huh. right, right in the face, with yeah. the, and Hosmer actually caught it, which was fantastic. It's <laughs> one of the highlights of his season. Uh, it looked like that almost. Yeah. So it was that was a really cool thing to see. But again, he's shown that he's a guy who can handle shortstop in spurts. But he's not an everyday starting shortstop. Yeah, that's Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, when you cause when you create that shuffle, you know you, you just create areas of weakness throughout uh, the diamond. I mean, then then Ty France is playing second, not a natural second baseman. Back to Arias though, the the other play he made, and I was I was paying attention as it was playing out because. It happened in the Dodger game, that blow-up loss where Kirby Yates expressed his frustration. Yes. It happened again. Um, I, I'm, I can't remember exactly this, who they were playing, uh, but he had another relay throw coming from second that was a flyer. Yes. You know, this, for some reason, Cincinnati sticks out to me. And so he's had a couple of those. And so I was watching it play out. He gets the relay. And I'm, in the back of my head, I'm like, is he going to put this thing on the money? He ends up one hopping at two hedges, who doesn't squeeze it. It was there in time. So there's a good chance they get Chris Taylor, well, who also, ended up being the only the only run of the game. He also did. He was a replay early, relay early in the game where they got the out, and he put that one not on a short hop. He put it right on the glove of Austin Hedges, made a very good throw. That's right. So you can see, and a catcher will always tell you, I'd rather have a short hop or something over my I can't do anything yeah. with the ball over my head. I can do something with it down here. And Hedges will tell you he's got to make that play. Yeah. Especially if he wants to win a gold glove, like he says he should he, he should win this year. And the numbers say he should, although he hasn't had the playing time to really back that up. He's got to make that play, yeah. and that should have been a scoreless game, and that makes Joey Lucchese a tough luck loser. But to your point, as I don't want to sound too much like Mark Sweeney here, but to your point, <laughs> he obviously has worked on that, mm -hmm. and he made adjustments, and he made them quickly, and that's a good sign for a kid like Luis Arias as well. The fact of the matter is you don't want him playing there, not necessarily because of what he's capable of, but because of the guy that we were just talking about. Well, he's a better second baseman. You yeah, see, exactly. He, he's a really good second baseman. Take him away from second base, you have someone at second base who's not as good as Luis Arias is at second base. Mm -hmm. And that's now you start you say, moving things around, you're, you're borrowing from second to fill short. That means you weaken second and short. Yeah. Now you're now you're taking in your you're not optimal lineup, and it's hard to win that way. Just a, a somber mood throughout the clubhouse, I think, fair to say, after this one, and, and rightly so. Um, you know, Barajas spoke Tuesday before the game like, look, this is the chance you're facing the Dodgers, one of the best teams in the league. Um, it's too late in the season to make a statement, but it's always good to push those guys, to battle those guys, especially when you know those pieces are coming back, and they're always going to be the team that you're kind of gunning for. And then to see the series go the way that it did, you lose three straight, and then it culminates with a shutout. 
Uh, it's just discouraging. Um, yep. There have been highlights throughout the season. There's been a lot to get excited about, to feel good about. It would have been nice to see one last flurry here at Petco before they yeah. head to the desert to end great. the season. Um, but you can tell the, the the frustration is built with the guys. And, and speaking of Luis Arias, speaking of Will Myers, it just hasn't gone the way collectively they would have hoped. I mean, Tat, right. there, there's there's rare exceptions of guys. I mean, Greg Garcia, great pickup, yes. did some great things, exceeded expectations. Tatis, so much better. I mean, for a guy that got called up, not called up, but uh, we, we found out he's going to be on the big league roster days before the season started. Yeah. So much better than we could have ever hoped. Chris Paddock did some wonderful things. Cal Quantrill looked really good at times. At the, Joey yeah. Lucchese looked great at times. Manuel Margot has done some really good things. Hunter Kirby, Renfro's Kirby first half. Kirby is going to lead the National League in saves this year. Yeah. The, the for a guy who's a full-time closer for the first time this year. I mean, he didn't take that role until Brad Hand was traded at the trade deadline you know, last year. He's only he's been a closer for a year and a half, and he leads the National League in saves. That's a great feather in Kirby Yates' hat. They have pieces. Yeah, it's just col enough pieces. Co collectively, they know, talking to Will Myers, Manny Machado's numbers aren't what they need to be. Uh, Eric Hosmer step up from last year, but still. Offensively, he took a huge step back defensively. Sure. Uh, and, and then Hunter Renfro, just the tough second half that he had, and, and injuries were part mm -hmm. of that. Everybody knows, look, we all collectively have to raise our game. I is it? Is that the the fix or is it new pieces that's it's, it's both th that's the fix it's both you need guys like greg garcia doing the things that they do where they play you know really good solid bases a, a glue guy as they call mm -hmm. him you know he does the cardinal way you need manny machado to be manny machado you need eric Hosmer to be eric Hosmer. you need will myers if he's still here to be will myers you need fernando Tatis jr to keep doing what he does and then you need the pieces like Mejia to keep improving, like Hedges to figure out how to hit anything so we yep. can justify as good as he is behind the plate. You need Urias to hit the way that everyone expects him to be able to hit on a consistent basis. You need Manuel Margot to be consistent so he can get that glove in the lineup and you're not losing anything by having his bat in the lineup. You need those guys to do that. And in the pitching staff, you need new pieces. You need to get somebody who's a frontline type guy in here now and mm -hmm. I know the argument has been made that if you've got these Paddock's going to be a one Mackenzie Gore by all accounts is going to be a one you, you get 2020 is your year you can't wait for those guys to turn remember Madison Bumgarner didn't become Madison Bumgarner until three four years in the league and he goes and wins a World Series MVP award and then he's Madison Bumgarner Clayton Kershaw is the exception Max Scherzer even took three four years to become Mad Max to become the guy you know, Steven Strauss worked a couple years to become the guy. Go out and get a guy. So then yeah. when you when that guy then retires, leaves, you traded, whatever, then the guys you have now who are going to be the guy, Chris Paddock, Mackenzie Gore, they're ready to take up that mantle. you got to have a stopgap. You've got to have somebody now who helps you win next year. The thing I was thinking on my way here, um, opening day started in 2018. Eric Lauer. 2018. Oh, no, 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 last year was... Clayton Richard. So, uh, wow. Oh, yeah. it was Clayton Richard so, just a year ago and so then Eric Lauer this year. A lot, a lot has changed, wow. you know, a lot changed in that calendar year. And you expect the same thing to be the case. Opening start of this year, Eric Lauer, not saying he won't be on the team or something like that, but you, you certainly don't go into 2019 expecting Lauer to be your frontline no. opening day starter. The You're fact in of the matter is, if that happens. Well, Nothing against Derek Lauer. He's pitching the, the the game on Friday. 
for his last start of the year. And nothing against him. He's had some beautiful moments this year. He cannot be the opening day starter in 2020. If, if, if he's the opening day starter in 2020, I say if anybody aside from Paddock, who's on the current roster, is the opening day starter in 2020, they're not making the playoffs. Yeah, well, two things. The, the, my initial point is those guys are now battling for three, four, five, as opposed to one, two, three. Well, they're battling to stay out of the bullpen. Or, 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 or to stay out of the bullpen, yeah. exactly. They're, they're just trying to hold on to uh, those, rotate, those spots within the rotation. The other point, a uh, tweet I saw from Michael Paddock, Chris's mm -hmm. brother, yep. I don't know if you saw this, basically mm -hmm. saying that Garrett Richards already started a bit of a challenge with Chris Paddock about who's going to be the top guy, who is going to be the opening day I like starter. That. And I like that a I like lot. That. And, and props to Garrett Richards for doing that. Because yeah. he, see, he knows. He's trying to push both of them. He knows. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And we saw just in his first start that saltiness, the competitive nature, um, easy to look at what he did his first game out and be really, really encouraged. And he was mad because he missed two pitches. And right. he slammed his glove in the yep. dugout. Uh, Chris Paddock's got that same type of saltiness and, and competitive way about him. And so I love that. I mean, you talk about the guys in the roster, those two would be the first to come to mind. And Chris Paddock obviously heads that list. Uh, but to have kind of that spoken un or unspoken competition between those two going into next season, that's a lot of fun. Well, also, how great is it that Richards walks in and, you know, alphas know alphas, right? Like the, the, the apex predators, they know the apex predators, mm -hmm. okay? So for him to walk in and know, if I'm gonna, I wanna challenge, it's like being in, in prison the first yeah. year you're there, first, <laughs> first day you're there, you find up, to the, walk up with the biggest dude there and try uh -huh. to whoop his Is that tail. what you did? That's, I can't talk about it, it's just, it, has, it hasn't been unsealed yet, but uh, that, that's really what Richards is doing. Walking, I'm going to find the biggest, baddest dude in the yard, I'm going to challenge him to a fight. Uh -huh. And the fact it's rookie Chris Paddock, yeah. that he knew everyone knows that's the dude, that's the guy that I'm going to have to top to take to rip that opening day starting spot from. That's how Jake Peavy was. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to you start opening day, you're going to have to go and rip it from Jake's cold dead hands because yeah. he's not giving it to you. Yeah. That's how competitive he was. It's awesome that it's already known and just felt in that clubhouse that the sheriff's going to be the guy who's going to be trying to get that every year. I'm going to have to beat him out for it. Yeah. So much has changed just in the last year, and you expect so much to change. Obviously, with the manager, that's going to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, what happens there? I don't know if you saw the report. Moises Alou spoke to ESPN and mm -hmm. said, I'm out. Thanks, but no thanks. I want to help them win a World Series, but not as manager. Uh, he's got an eight-year-old daughter that he wants to spend time with. And mm -hmm. so a guy that was perceived to be one of the leading candidates or one of the first whose door they would knock on, now out of the picture. So we'll see where they go from there. And, and I and think I'll lose someday will be a manager, but for his family, when you're a big league skipper, you're gone a lot. Oh, yeah. So if you want to be with you, I have an eight-year-old daughter myself. Yeah, I would not take the job to be that away from her like that yeah you know it's far too much of a time commitment so he'll have his time someday and then and then what happens just on the roster there's plenty of time to get to that next week i think we'll do a a full post-mortem just on the season yes. as a whole and and the highs and lows and expectations going forward but just a drag to see it end the way that it did. I mean, a good crowd, a lively crowd here, yeah. very pro Dodgers. I tweeted at one point, if you close your eyes, you might not necessarily think you're in San Diego. Um, Kershaw had a, a, a face Machado late in the game. Um, Machado strikes out, drops his bat on the way through, and a big roar from Dodger fans, which you would expect, certainly. I mean, it's always, Will Myers said it after the game. Like, I don't think, even if we're good, there's still going to be a large Dodger presence here because of proximity and because people love coming down to Petco to watch a baseball game. Yeah, much, much less of a chance for physical violence. 
Don't forget to come watch a game at Petco Park True. over Dodger there's, Stadium. By the way, Dodger that. fans, have some class, please. I'm addressing Dodger fans now. Manny Machado helped you get to a World Series last year. <laughs> Why are you booing the man? And it's been happening all year, and it's ticking me off. Just, hey, hey, thank you. Thank you for helping us out. Thanks for helping us out. The Dodgers weren't going to re-sign him anyway because Corey Seager was coming back with from Tommy John surgery. He wasn't going to play shortstop. You have Justin Turner a third. What are you complaining about? Stop with the booing of Manny Machado. You're just being jerks. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. That's box. good. You need to get that out of your system. I need to get that off my chest. It's been bugging me for a while now. Uh, as positive as the day was, in some light, Joey Lucchese. I mean, a, a good... Threw really well. Now, now, granted, four guys that weren't in the lineup today, Peterson, Bellinger, Turner, Seager. So this wasn't a true Dodger lineup. Uh, but Lucchese, his last start, uh, 30th of the season. Yep. To get to that mark, um, a, good, yeah. a good six strikeouts, six innings of one run ball was kind of more in control today. We, we've seen pitch counts go up. We've seen teams get a ton of hits out of him. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the most efficient guy start to start, but a positive note for him to end on as he goes into the offseason and we kind of set sail into the competition that we'll see in 2020. Right. Let's go back to the manager thing here because Rod Barajas said something after the game that I thought was really interesting. I mean, you notice he's, he had four rookies in the starting lineup today on Thursday, and he had three rookie relievers come in to contribute to three scoreless innings. Seven rookies plus Francisco Mejia pinch hit. You're talking about eight rookies in one ball game against mm -hmm. the team that's won 103 baseball games now. Now, you would think that a guy who was coming in as an interim basis wants to be a big league skipper is going to come in and say, I'm going to win as many games as I can possibly win. And he's going to put his best possible lineup out there. He didn't have Myers in the starting lineup. Yeah. He didn't have Hosmer in the starting lineup. He didn't have Mejia in the starting lineup. He went with guys who were younger. And what he said was, I want to get the younger guys some looks. I want to see what they're all about. I want to see what they're about moving forward. And I don't want these veterans coming out here and tweaking something. I want them hitting the offseason okay so they can get bigger and stronger and better not having to rehab something yeah so what that tells me is two things one rob rojas is a company guy you oh, know yeah. he's a guy who was going to do what's best for the organization he is working for and i like that in a skipper i like that a lot and two he is going to get an interview at the very bare minimum and i think he's a guy who really can be a very good big league skipper he's a guy who was loved in that clubhouse already what say you about since he's the guy right now that approach he's taking what does that tell you about how he is looking at not just the last few games here but moving forward with his time with the san diego padres well i mean how much of that and you kind of touched on it do you think was necessarily his call as opposed to if you're in AJ, here for the last eight games do you are you really when you got nothing to play for are you are you going to listen to the, the general manager telling you what lineup to put out there? Yeah, You're probably yeah. going to do your own thing. No, I think I would listen to the general manager because I'm hoping that he'll give me a chance to be the full-time manager. There you go. So I, uh, it's hard to tell. And even I, I often wonder that with Andy. How much are these his decisions? How much is it stuff getting handed down to him from the front office about how they want to handle and develop those young guys? I. He was asked after the game, do you think you did a chance to interview? And I would be shocked if they don't at least give They're him going to interview him. the opportunity. They're going to. He, he played it off as, a, well, we'll have to see what happens after yeah. this. He did it. He's going to get an interview. He's going to. Because, again, like we said during our emergency on fire podcast <laughs> on Saturday. Which you should go back and listen to. Absolutely good stuff there uh, after Andy Green got fired. Um, he's a guy who has the ability to do this job. 
-hmm. And he's a guy who the Padres really, really like. And he's a guy who has been, he's, he was a skipper of AAA El Paso. He knows all these guys. It was all, in fact, I asked Ty France after the game. It had him and Seth and Josh and uh, Frankie. It had five dudes on the field at one time. I said, did you think you were in El Paso or San Diego <laughs> at one point? He's like, it's great to see all these guys. I'm like, I know all of them. I'm like, yeah, the seal is really familiar. And then you look up and you see the third deck and you realize you're in the major leagues. And that's a little bit different than being in El Paso. But, you know, he's a guy who has, has the chops to do this and is going to get a big league job somewhere. So there's the Dave Roberts factor. Remember, Dave Roberts, they did not even interview after they fired Bud Black. And they let Roberts walk right up the freeway to L.A. And he's gone to the playoffs in the World Series. You know, playoffs every year he's been there. World Series the last two years. And he's probably on the way back this year. I think they're going to have a little bit of that in the back of their heads. We can't let another bench coach walk away and take somebody to three straight World Series. So they're going to interview him, I think, simply because of that factor. I guess my concern, if I'm Rod Barajas, is... I would have a much better opportunity getting this job when Andy Green got the job at the end of 2015 than I do now, when they are full-on in win-now mode. When 2020 is a season they want to turn the corner, do they want to see if a first-time manager can do the job? Alex Cora did it last year. You're, and we, that's another thing we discussed. Mm -hmm. Alex Cora, Aaron Boone, there's guys that have stepped in right away and had immediate success. But that's my concern at this point. I mean, if if you have your wish list, where is Rod Barajas on the wish list? Because obviously guys like Joe Madden, you would figure, are mm -hmm. ahead of him because of the experience, one World Series, taking young teams that are kind of on the doorstep and the gotten them. The sabermetric approach. Right. Um, so I, I think he can do the job. He certainly has the, the respect a good rapport with guys in the clubhouse, mm -hmm. experience with these young guys. Right. Uh, you figure he would have the ear of the front office because that's part of it too. Like yeah. That's why a guy like Mike Sosha doesn't really make any sense. A guy that likes to have the power and to be a decision maker, well, that might not necessarily fly in a situation like this. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Uh, I think Girardi is probably also a, a cut of that Sosha kind of cloth mm -hmm. where he wants to be the guy who's um, he wants to do his thing. He's won a World Series as a player and as a manager. You know, also he had a very different roster with the he had a veteran team with the Yankees. This is not a veteran team right now. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he has the, the temperament to go through kind of a, an upswing with with a, the very end of a rebuild. As, as some of these other guys are. And again, I've never met Joe Girardi. I'm speculating here based on you know things that I've seen and things I've heard him say. A guy like Madden, he's been through with Tampa Bay. He's been through with Chicago. This is the kind of thing he kind of does. You know, he comes in he, at the tail end when, when everything's kind of ripe. He plucks it off the vine. He takes it to a World Series. That's what Joe Madden's done twice now and won yeah. one World Series in Chicago with the Cubs, where he'll never have to buy a beer ever again because he did that. Yeah. Um, I could see him being a guy who a lot of people are going to look at. He made six million bucks last year. I don't know how much he's going to come down off of that number to be the Padres manager. I don't know if the Padres will go up on that number to go and get someone like that. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I know another guy they want to talk to is Raul Abanez. 
former player who, by all accounts, has been gotten rave reviews for his ability mm -hmm. to be a, a big league skipper. So uh, they're going to talk to a lot of guys. I do think one thing that's going to be important in this regard is uh, so having someone who is bilingual speak Spanish mm -hmm. because there is so much Latin American talent on this club. I know that makes a lot of Latin American players feel a lot more comfortable when they can talk to the skipper that way yeah. uh, in their native tongue. Bras did have his press conference today in Spanish. Yeah. So he's a guy who I think he makes a lot of the guys feel more comfortable and relates to them just a, a little bit better than someone like maybe Andy Green did. I, I just I wonder if he's going to be a victim of the, the, the team's urgency to win because yes. any first-time guy, there's going to be a greater level of risk associated with them because they hadn't done it before. Right. And it's going to be hard to judge where he fits into the decision until you see ultimately what direction they go into. If they go with another first-year guy like an Ibanez or an Eric Chavez or somebody um, who is getting those rave reviews but hasn't broken through yet, then you might think, well, why didn't they just go to the guy that's already in the dugout knows these guys if they do reach for the stars and and hit a home run so to speak with a madden or a girardi then it's really hard to fault them and the unfortunate thing is what are the chances of rod baraja sticking around if he gets passed over for the job is he is he happy to be here and remain in the organization does he feel slighted and say you know what i'm gonna go explore other opportunities depends on who wants to talk to him if the angels want to talk to him and they want to give him a job the phillies get rid of gabe kapler and they want to give him a job He'll go there. It depends on who wants to go and pluck your guy at that point. Yeah. That's what the Dodgers did with Dave Roberts. Yeah. Do the Giants want to grab him? You know, keep putting him in the division. They want to take him up to San Francisco. That's the other thing. I mean, there's competition when you talk about the Cubs, the Giants, potentially the Phillies. Uh, shoot, there's probably others that are going to be looking for. And these are, and these are prime time markets, franchises, opportunities, a lot of history. Mm -hmm. um, Big pocketbooks. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to go tough ones to, to pass out. And there's a variety of names out there. So it's not like you're going into it thinking, all right, there's one guy and then, you know, take the rest off the scrap heap. So there are other options out there beyond whoever your 1A and 1B would be. But the fact of the matter is Padres aren't just going to be able to walk up to anybody and say, hey, look at this sexy collection of talent we have beautiful weather in San Diego and assume people are going to listen because they might say, well, I kind of like having Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins and Aaron Nola and these other pieces, or I like what the Cubs have, so on and so forth. I mean, there's going to be some serious competition. There's going to be a lot of competition, and it's going to be, I think, incredibly difficult for the Padres to find the guy who quote-unquote fits. Because that's what A.J. Preller said. I'm not looking for experience, um, you know, a certain number of years of experience. I'm not looking for a certain kind of resume. I want to fit. I want to find the guy that fits what we're trying to do here. The question I have is, how do you find that guy when I'm not sure a lot of us really even know, okay, what exactly is it we're doing here? Because we've had all these pitch limits and all these numbers, and yet you're still kind of going with the, maybe the eyeball test on some guys and letting some of these young players go. Do you want to have your defensive catcher in? you want to have your offensive catcher in? What do you do with the, with the, the outfield situation? Which one of those guys do you hang on to? How do you do your, your platoon splits? So you're talking about, do you want to have – one skipper might say Hunter Renfro is a, is a platoon guy. He's a split guy. Another skipper comes in and says Hunter Renfro is my everyday right fielder because the guy mashes mm. and he's going to figure out right-handed pitching. He started two this year before he got hurt. What do the numbers say? What does the eyeball test tell you? Because the eyeball test tells you Hunter Renfro is ready to break out. 
Maybe the numbers say, eh, maybe not so much against right-handed hitters. So you got to have that kind of that thought in the back of your head of, I see something that maybe makes me think, hey, he's figuring it out, even if the numbers don't say he has yet. It's going to be real hard to find the guy who is able to put all those things together and take that marriage of the eyeball test and the metrics and say, this is my best possible situation. Those guys are very difficult to find. There's probably one out there that we haven't even thought of or heard about yet. If they can find that person, more power to them. That's going to be the difficult part for AJ Preller is to find what is the true best fit for what they have right now and where they're going. And maybe an experienced guy will have a more clear direction. Right. And and less prone to uh, kind of waffling about the situation. I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try that out. I mean, good or bad stubbornness might be a good thing for this team and a stubborn approach and this is how it's going to be and we're going to move forward with this rather than kind of dipping their toes and all these other things and, and hoping that it kind of or there's a guy who's been in the organization for a while and has seen these guys on a daily basis yeah. remember he, he, he Rob Rojas managed Hunter Renfro in his first year at AAA El Paso he's seen all these guys he's seen when they're at their best he's seen when they're at their worst is that a better way of going? We have absolutely no idea. That's why AJ Preller gets paid to make these decisions, and we don't. A little three up, three down. Let's do it. Start Brought it to you by OGs. We'll be at OGs in Santee October 10th. Tour to OGs continues. Hey, if you want to watch some Aztec football, go to OGs, spend $30, you get a ticket to an SDSU home game. Not a bad deal. Not a bad deal at all. Uh, what do you got in terms of ups? I have thought about this basically not at all, so we'll see how it goes. Okay, well, i got to give a big up to uh, Seth Mejia's brain. The guy yeah. we talked about eight years Shoot, in the I think minor that's leagues. That's like the one that I thought of. Yeah, you can, you can, okay, you can double up on it then. Eight years <laughs> in the minor leagues, gets his major, major league call up at the age of 28, hits his first home run in Milwaukee, hits a walk off against um, the Diamondbacks to win a game. Just a guy who I talked to him after the game today, and he even said, I lost hope for a while. You know, and to be able to come up here and start and get some consistent at bats and to feel like I'm part of a team, not just a guy who's around, it means all it means all the world to him. They shut the lights off on us here. What do you know? Well if you're watching um, on Facebook, sorry about yeah. that. Um yeah, people on the podcast aren't going to care of the fact that the lights just, just cut off on us. But uh, big up to Seth Mejia's Breen for, uh, for sticking with it. You know, big as a big league hang with him, as, uh, as Mud would say. Uh, how about a, a little love for Joey Lucchese? Just a, a good way to, to end the uh, – uh, I don't even doing, know what I'm trying to do. I'm just going to stop. I, I thought I might be able to fix it, but no. Uh, you do yours. I'm going to see for the last uh, Just a solid way to end – hey, there we go. Motion, Motion censored. Out. you got to love that. Uh, the 2019 season. Wasn't sure what we were going to see out of him. But look, went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Kershaw against the watered-down Dodger lineup. Something good for him to feel about. I, I think Lucchese is one of those guys that's uh, prone to lapses in confidence, mm -hmm. maybe yes. getting in his head, yes. riding the highs and lows and that sort of thing. Uh, he, he had to battle through some stuff today. Gave them a good six innings of... of what could it was very inches away from being shutout ball. Yeah. Baraja said he could have gone deeper. Um, fast, to get some offense. Fastball yeah. location was the difference. You know, matching that up with the churve. So, just a, a good good taste for Lucchese to have as he goes into the offseason. That's yeah. my first up. And I will actually chase that with how about these three young pitchers having very good outings in the final outing of the year: Cal Quantrill, Joey Lucchese, and Chris Paddock. Mm -hmm. All three of them have had some ups and downs. Paddock finished the season gangbusters. Quantrill was scuffling, 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 gets that last start, and bam, five innings, two hits, one run. Awesome. Lucchese, he got up and down, up and down, bam, six innings, three hits, one run. 
they really acquitted themselves well in their final outing. And as Baraha said in the in the postgame press conference, said when you look back on the season, your last start's kind of the first one that comes to your mind. Mm -hmm. And to have that good positive vibe out of that, that's really good for these youngsters moving forward. Not quite as much of an up, but I'll throw it out there anyways because it's fun to watch. Denelson Lament just has punch out stuff. Even even if he's given up four homers in a start, uh, first Padre to have back-to-back double-digit strikeouts, uh, perform strikeout performances since 2010, um, if I'm remembering the game notes correctly. Um, but that guy's just got stuff, and it's harnessing it. Stuff, yeah. It's it's the walks, avoiding the walks, it's location, that sort of thing. Trusting his stuff a little bit more, you know, throwing strikes, knowing that you know as long as you're not putting the heart of the plate, there's you got swing and miss stuff. Uh, that's been really, really fun to watch. And of all the guys, I think he's probably who I'm most curious about in terms of his fit and and where he ends up in 2020, um, just because his ceiling is so high. Yes. And because he, he has a potential to be so hard to hit. I mean, he and Paddock, two guys that, had, you know, we started talking and tweeting about no hits through this many innings, no yeah. hits through that many innings. Right. Um, and he's your pick to throw the first no-hitter in Padre history. So fun to see him develop, be healthy through the end of the season, um, learn some lessons, no doubt, and then apply that to 2020. And you look at him as a guy that has a really good chance to be in that rotation and make some things happen. He's a guy who, if he throws his stuff in the strike zone, he's going to get outs with it. And what I mean by that is he's a guy who, you know, earlier in his career, he would try to start that slider on the outside corner and it would just fly way out of the strike zone, yeah. right? Now he starts it in the strike zone and it goes to that outside corner, maybe an inch or two out. He's learning to trust that pitch. If he throws his put away stuff in the strike zone, he's going to be very effective. Now he's going to give up the home runs as they start a concert behind us here at the Saquon stage at the park at the park. <laughs> but he's a guy who, if he's able to locate that fastball, just a little bit, the slider is devastating. Yeah. Locate the fastball a little bit better Instead of putting it here, put it here. You know, now, now he's got even more strikeout stuff and he's breaking a lot of bats mm. instead of giving up home runs. Yeah. The potential's off the charts for that kid. Downs. Downs. Man. Uh, on the day that Austin Hedges, the, the story comes out, he says he should be the gold glove winner <laughs> to drop a ball, to let the only run score. I love Hedgy. You got to do better than that. And then not strike out twice once looking. It, you got, you, that, that can't happen on a day when you're trying to say that I'm the best defensive catcher in the National League. That's a down for me. Yeah. Uh, down was uh, leaving Travis Jankowski right out there at second base. Uh, Austin Hedges, uh, not Austin Hedges, uh, Hunter Renfro. Look, I love the aggressive approach. Mm -hmm. He gets down 0-2 and then lets a 94-mile-per-hour fastball basically in the middle of the zone go by him without taking the bat off his shoulder. He was looking off speed. Yeah. He just got fooled on that yeah. one. Uh, but he comes up in that situation. You can't help but think about what he did back in May against these Dodgers. The walk-off grass walk -off win. Jansen, it's yeah. right there. And then Mejia Spreen, I want to say it was a first pitch pop-out uh, for him as well. So that was a bummer because, you know, I'm sitting there watching, look, this this game's been a drag. This series has been a drag. This season, last couple months, been a drag. It sucks, this would yeah. be a fun way to say farewell to the fans here at Petco. And uh, all too often, there's been a guy right there, and the Padres haven't been able to get him around. Yeah, that's bad. That's just, that's just not been good. I was going to say down is going to be Manny Machado because, again, he came out and just made it, didn't make a defensive play that he usually makes at third base, struck out, not hitting the ball, it's all a contact. But then I saw in his locker he had a bunch of mucinex and stuff, so he's fighting a cold. 
probably something pretty nasty and still trying to play through it. So I'm going to turn what would have been a down into Manny Machado to a bonus <laughs> up for trying to get out there and fight through something because he still wants to try and, and play and finish out the season fairly strong. Yeah. Uh, how about Ronald Bolaños? Got to throw the ball towards the strike zone at some point. It would help. Didn't do yes. that. Oh, and my, you know, help. actually, I, I thought about this earlier. My down with that is, and Bolaños, decent first start, hasn't been great the last couple times out, and and it might be harsh to say pitching scared, but it looked like he was pitching scared a little bit just in terms of keeping the ball, being so uh, uh, afraid to throw strikes against that lineup, which I'm sure he's not the only young pitcher that has struggled in that no, situation. He's not. But I just wish, and this has been a story all season long with Andy Green, the, the manager, in this case Barajas, being too willing to pull a starter in a situation like that in favor of putting in a reliever, you're one out, one out away from him pitching four innings of one run ball. Mm-hmm. Let him finish that out. And people are saying, well, they, they got to put, put a guy. Put some hair on his chest. They got to put a guy like Gerardo Reyes. He's going to be in these situations. Well, Ronald Bolandio is going to be in these situations as well if he comes a, becomes a big league pitcher where you pitch your way into trouble and then you pitch your way out of trouble. I wish he would give in. I wish Brajas would have given Bolaños the opportunity to do that because it's not like the results were any better. I mean, the first pitch that Reyes threw Muncie, it was a grand slam. Yeah. So uh, that that's just frustrated me all season long, handling these starting pitchers with kid gloves. That's a baseball-wide thing, though. The baseball-wide thing is, and again, this is the metrics coming out, is why are you going to risk a guy trying to get his way through a lineup the second or third time when he's obviously scuffling, when you can bring in a guy who's fresh with a fresh look, you can get a matchup that you want because you're bringing in the guy that you want to face that guy with. That's the prevailing thinking in baseball, aside from the few guys that we mention all the time, the Scherzers and the Kershaws of the world, where you can say, this guy can get this guy, I'm trusting this guy to get the out, and then he's going to give me three more innings because that's what they do. Nowadays, it's it's, it's baseball-wide, and you're right. Letting a guy pitch out of a jam is a lost art across the game of Major League Baseball. And I would love to see some skippers start to say, you know what? No, it's a game in August. I'm going to let this guy see if he can get out of this because that's going to help him learn either A, from his mistake or B, from his success. I don't do that again next time or I do do that again next time. And that leads to growth. You start shielding them from this and not letting them go through and try and get through this hardship. It doesn't yeah. do them any good. Yeah. Another down? I think we just talked about it. <laughs> you know, Bra's taking those guys out. Wait, you know, but again, that's, but again, I think that's, that's, that's not a him. That's a baseball thing. That's what they all do now. It's really what they all do nowadays. All okay, right. Okay, another down. We don't have OG's pizza in front of us right now. We don't. Yes. But we will that's again. A down. October 10th in Santee. Yes, we Come will. join us, talk Padres with us, listen in on the podcast, and uh, spend $30 and get a ticket to the Aztecs. Yes. By the way, I want to say, we were the first podcast for NBC7. But we are not the only we're podcast. We're not the only podcast. We, we're trailblazers, okay? We're trailblazers, but we're bringing a bunch of folks with us. And by the way, there's some really cool stuff that we have going on at NBC. Well, there's, right now. there's the I team. Yes. There's another that's coming. NBC I don't know if we can, I don't know if we can talk about that one yet, but there's the morning podcast today in San Diego. Yes. Look, if you just want to start your day on a good note, mm-hmm. see what's going on, 
big headlines, big stories, weather. Everybody wants to know what the forecast is for that day. NBC7 Morning Crew takes care of you every single day. It's about five minutes. Very easy to get through. Again, set the tone for your day, the information you need. I listened to it the other day. It's really, really well done. Greg, Marianne, S Sheena, they just give you, hey, here you go. Super informative. Uh, so check that out. Subscribe. It'll come to your phone right away and then tune into that, get an idea of what's ahead of you, and of course the big stories in and around San Diego on a daily basis. Hey, just get your day started off so you're in the know of what, what's going on, so you have a, ni a nice little, little, little kickstart to think you're not missing anything each day. It's good stuff. Oh, one other up, and this is something you can f read more about on the NBC7 Sports Wrap page. Mm -hmm. Those brown uniforms, November 9th. Yes! Some baseball teams look forward to October. Others look forward to November. Yes, we do. That's where we're at. Because we're going to get our brown uniforms. We're going to get the brown uniforms. Um, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr. said they look good. Tatis wouldn't give any hints about it uh, in the clubhouse today, but they've seen them. So very, Sworn very exciting. Uh, we'll see that in a little over a month. Finally see the brown uniforms. You can read up more on that on NBC7. Uh, com. There's more on the big Charger news as well. Melvin Gordon is back. Yep. You're always posting quality Padre and local sports content on the website. So uh, keep it locked to NBC7.com. Keep it locked Sunday nights because we got football night in San Diego. We've yes. got sports wrap. Uh, You're doing a great you? job on those two, by the way. Likewise, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, football night is just a blast with Greg and Rich. It's, you it's and a Todd. fun show, huh? It is a lot, yeah, of, it's it a, it's a lot of fun. It flies by. It really is a blast. Um, Todd has got L.A. duty this weekend, correct? Correct. He's up there with the Rams. Um, and then you're usually on the Charger beat. Um, They'll be giving the Dolphins their next scheduled loss. Yeah, geez. Yeah. That's, and that's a good one to have coming off a couple tough losses and then no Melvin Gordon, you figure, at least for this weekend, and then they'll kind of get a chance to incorporate him. Uh, but more on that on the website. And, uh, yeah, I think that's what we got. Three more in this season. Got the D-backs. Finish the season in the desert. Our Try to avoid one. 90 losses. Last one from Petco Park this uh -huh. year. I'm gonna, you know what? The last one's always bittersweet. As, oh, yeah. As tough sure. as this season has been, and as freaking annoying and obnoxious as this season has been, it sucks to not be able to come to this ballpark again until You can come March. here Tuesday. Yeah. Oh, you're not working on Tuesday. No, but I can come anyway. You check out the prospects. Padres against the Rangers. See some of the youngsters, Which, guys, that way, you're going to be seeing in 2020 if, if you and beyond. You haven't covered that yet. I've I'm planning a, on them. I'm going to the last two to years. It. It's actually so yeah. you see some studs. Yeah. Well, I'm you looking. See I mean, a lot of studs. And given where we are with the Padres, and and those studs are going to be expected to factor into the equation next year and beyond. Very, very much looking forward to that. So we'll have that covered on NBC7 next week as well. I'm trying to think Good if there's, stuff. there's anything else in the list that we need to touch on before know. we, we got, say goodbye. We got a whole litany of stuff we usually need to uh, to get to here. I think I think we got through it all. We're awesome. Nice well job. Done. All right. a, hey, the season's not over yet. It's been a fun season. I feel like we just did a post-mortem, but we'll do another post-mortem after uh, the Arizona at OGs. Series. No, no, that's the third. So the week before OGs, October 3rd, we'll have another edition of the On Fire podcast, and then we'll have the OGs week after that, and plenty to talk about as we go forward since they're, they don't know who the guy in the dugout's going to be next season. Oh, um, yeah, by the way, this is a weekly podcast. 
it's going to remain a weekly podcast Is for it? a while. I don't, because think we, I don't think we've hashed that out. I don't know. I'll do it myself if I have to. It's going to be a weekly podcast until they find a skipper, until they find, you know, until, until when they're out there making their moves, who are they looking at, who's available, who becomes a free agent, who's looking on the trade market. There's going to be plenty of Padres to talk about yes. on the On Friar podcast, but also we're going to dive into some, you know, local football dive into some local basketball. The Aztecs started practice. <laughs> um, they did. The Todd goals. Strain got, Todd Strain got them, yeah. The goals played their first exhibition game, beating uh, Ontario 5-2 today. Can't wait for them to get started full you know, time. They're going to go again on Monday up at the Honda Center against Ontario, and then the goals are back. The yeah. Seals will be back in December. Yeah. we got all kinds of stuff to talk about, man. It's going to be fun. It's going to be on the winter meetings coming in December. Not as fun as that concert out there. Who's playing out there? I have no know? idea, but people seem into it. What song is that? All right, I'm going to go crowd surf. It's yeah, been let's fun. Go. See y'all.